the Protective Insight Podcast, putting the you in human. And welcome back to another episode, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for stopping by. It's lovely to see you all, kind of. Um, we've got a we've got a very special episode for you today. Uh, a very special guest to come in and talk about a lot of the incredible work that he's doing with his company. But we'll get into that in a moment. Um, uh, for me, I, I I first met Bob Pointer uh, a, a few years ago when it was actually you and Bob that were an interview on uh, on my other podcast. Uh, and uh, we, we kind of got into the specifics of things like the, the, the no BS uh, uh, option towards training and, and taking out some of the flowery and fanciful nonsense from the internet to cut through the wheat of things. And that's developed into more and more and more tactical approaches to use of specific communication styles and how we can start to all have better interactions and be understood with a little bit more clarity. And a little bit more purpose in our in our meetings in our life, yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, very fortunate. I, I want to say it's getting close to three years now since the initial relationship uh, started, and it's amazing to see where we were, how it interacted, and what Bob has transcended uh, here just in the last year or so with the Behavioral Intelligence Academy. Uh, I'm excited about it. I know you are as well, Ben, because you know yes. one, it's 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 great to interview a, a colleague and a, and a friend, but it's also something we get to be actively a part of too with Bob on this behavioral academy journey. So today, we're just hoping for those of you out there listening, uh, put your listening ears on for sure, because you're going to learn a lot about the science behind communication, why we do what we do, how we do what we do. And this is not just for security sectors. This is just in life, personal, professional. We do this all the time, communication. And I think there's no better person to speak to on this because he has actually researched the science behind it, put all the work in for you. He has all, not only just the theory, but the experiential learning, the application, years and years of dedication to this. So I hope you enjoy you know, listening to his life's work there. And then at the end, you need to go sign up for one of Bob's courses, and then you'll understand why Ben and I are so excited to have him today. Oh, absolutely. There is a reason why he owns, runs, and operates one of the biggest Facebook pages uh, uh, on the topic. So, ladies and gents, without further ado, Mr. Bob Pointer. <laughs> thanks for joining us, sir. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. I always feel like I, I should have some kind of sound effect of applause or or, some, or something at that particular stage. Uh, it just feels quite quiet. Uh, but uh, thank you for doing this. Thank you for uh, giving so readily and so freely of your time, so that we could uh, essentially pick your brains. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not much there to pick, so it won't take too long. <laughs> oh, we're, we're in for a short one then. But that's the way golden nuggets are. They may be a few and far between, but they're no less special. Um, so, I, uh, first things first, Bob. I wonder if you, if you wouldn't mind just for the, the people that maybe aren't as familiar with yourself and uh, the the work that you do with the Behavioral Intelligence Academy, if you could just tell us a little bit about that journey in terms of where you've come from to what you're doing, what you're getting up to these days. Well, it's um, a good place to start, I suppose. Is the introduction that you've just given there um, is 
that really plays into my lack of confidence um, because I'm not a natural speaker in public. It's what I do for a living, so it's quite a perverse thing, really. But, um, yeah, I, I suffer with imposter syndrome, if that's what you want to call it. That's quite a modern term for it. But actually, over time, I've realised that that actually is a bit of a power um, because what I've always done uh, from a very early age is be an, an outlier, be an outsider. So I've actually tried to get into social groups, tried to understand why other people can make friends really easily and I can't. And, and I've realised that actually all of those skills that I used then of actually listening to people, but not only listening to them, hearing them, and not only looking at them, but seeing. Mm. One, kept me safe. And secondly, um, is now basically what I do for a living. And it's, I, it's I, an ironic thing about humans, I think, when you get them in a room, you can quite comfortably say everyone in that room suffers with low self-confidence. Mm. Because we all do to a certain extent. We might not yeah. um, acknowledge it so much. But anyway, the journey that I took was... Um, I was an accidental detective. I didn't really want to be in the police. Um, I <laughs> was not really that infused about it, but I ended up in the police by a very long circular route. Um, and when I got in it, I realized that it was easy because it was just doing what I did. It was looking, listening, and understanding people. Um, through police service, became a detective very quickly. Um, Nothing, you know, nothing spectacular about my journey there, but I was an interviewer. Uh, I've interviewed lots of different people. And eventually, um, again, by masses of coincidence and fate, I suppose, I ended up as a lecturer in police science at a university in London. Um, didn't have a degree, uh, still don't have a degree. Um, but because of my experience in the police, they took me. And I stayed there for five years and it was great because what I'm very, I don't like the word training for a start. You know, I, I think of training as dogs. I think education, um, but we do training because we take out the why. We do the what and how, but we don't do the why. And it was only when I went to the university that I realized that there is a big why to why all these things happen. So you're told about how to speak to people during an interview and what to do if they do this, but you're never told why. Um, and so the courses that I run now are very much about the why. And that's something that really interests me. The human brain, um, I'm very fortunate to have um, academic friends who know a lot more about that than me. Um, and one of them, a, um, a very good friend of mine, David Slato, is, is, you know, to me, is an expert in the brain. And together we've looked at it and um, he talks very academic. I'm a practitioner at heart. And so we've come to a middle ground where we talk about the brain in simple terms but all based on academic and biology basically because that's what i do it's bioevolutionary approach to it so that's about it i go home now <laughs> I like it. so cavalierly we just take all the bio bioevolutionary approach to human beings and yeah we're done Love it. That's like a mic. That's a mic drop scenario right now. That's what that is. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, the, the the journey that you've been on, it, 
it it seems to be that it's it, it has to have been equal parts information and and study and 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 education but equal parts application then that seems to be that where a lot of the the issues are split within the industry on mass it's either too much from one side or too much from the other that leads towards you know a, a lack of effectiveness in whatever it whatever role it is that the person's taking you know if there's somebody who's 100 percent focused on the application there they have the uh, words to the effect of oh, i've seen a couple of videos on it or i read a book on it i'll be fine or you've mm. got people who spend their days day in day out oh i need to read more i need to read more i need to learn more i need finding that kind of fine-tuned middle ground it seems to be what you've struck gold on uh, what, what have what have your experience in delivering and using that have you found that's led to the kind of effectiveness in in your methods of understanding people? Yeah, I, I've, you're totally right. There, it's a middle ground because um, uh, the biggest thing about myself is that I still, to this day, uh, when I'm giving uh, talks in conferences, I I'm one of those people that I don't want to be found out. I always go into it think someone's going to find me out today and someone's going to going to come forward and say, no, that what you said is wrong. And, you know, I've, I've tamed that now, but I think that's in all of us. We, you know, we're, we're by nature defensive. And I think that um, the journey that you've been on makes the person you are. And my journey has always been someone in the background. I've never really stood out. I can't say, you know, I can't claim to have been especially interrogator at Guantanamo Bay or whatever some of these other people say. But I've just been steady and unspectacular. Um, and I've learned through trial and error and getting it wrong more than getting it right. Um, I can clearly remember going by the numbers in a police interview when I was in the police and spending two hours talking to a guy doing my best to gain empathy with him that you talk to do and gain rapport with him. And then to the end, um, right to near the end, I said, have you got anything else to say? It, it'd been quite resistive, I felt, and I was trying my hardest. And I said to him, so have you got anything else to say? He said, yeah, I did it. And I said, well, why have we just sat here for two hours? He said, well, you never asked me. So, you know, it's trial and error, isn't it? And we, we, we're, you know, the thing about mistakes is mistakes are good. I, I tell people I work with, don't be afraid to fail it's because it means first attempt I'm learning. It's when you keep doing the same things over and over. And, you know, the thing about, um, I can understand, I, I don't disrespect people who do the more glamorous type of approach uh, because humans are strange things. We, we want to know because we, we, if we don't know, we feel very uncomfortable. And so we do tend to go for quick fixes and a lot of people give quick fixes. The problem with that is, is and you've both heard me say it, behavior isn't binary. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of people who dumb it down, and it is dumbing it down, make it very binary. And, uh, you know, this means this and this means that. And unfortunately, humans are too complex for that. That, that nowhere near touches the surface. Oh, yeah, 100% I agree, right? It's like the little squares we're in today. People try to put people in a box. And although people could be in a box, but the boxes, like I was saying in the last conversation I had with Ben is the boxes are different shapes and sizes. 
There's no one box that is, that is the same and we can't treat them as the same. And I think that's the biggest thing, like you're saying, so many people want to say A plus B is C. And well, it, it's not that because the environment's different. The situation is different. The person is different. Where are they at? Their needs are different. So we can't sit here and plug this these things all, all together. And um, I, I totally relate with you, Bob, on a, on a lot of ways, because I was one of those people being in the law enforcement service here. You go to a class, you get a little bit of training, but for us, it was no time to really sit and get the formal theory aspects because you don't have time to sit in lecture halls and classrooms. We have to get out and do the work. So it was more going out and getting experiences. And like you said, failing and figuring out and going, okay, well, this worked here, that worked there. Now I get to do more of the theory stuff, the stuff we're doing now, but that was part of my issues. I've been an instructor and a trainer for years, very confident in like the driving and shooting stuff because you can demonstrate those all day long. But when it gets to the communication part and the human part, trying to teach people and want them to, to share what you have, because people always ask you, hey, you're good in an interview room. You get this, this and this. Can you then formulate that? Can you replicate that? Can you teach people it? And then that's when I started going, well, I guess. But then I started go, like what you were saying. What books do I need to read? What theories do I need to understand? Because now I feel like now I got to really pull books. So like, although I had all this experience, I was really good in a lot of things. I was never ready. I wasn't educated enough. I wasn't smart enough. And and I do have a degree and everything. I had to do that in order to get promoted. So it's like I, I have the, that, that learning. But at the same time, as Bob was saying, there's still that confidence level. And I think that stems from, Bob, is your, your level of care and your, your passion. Because what I found is when you're passionate about something as an educator and a trainer, you want to make sure you're giving the students the right tools and the right things. And things are evolving so much faster today than they were years ago that I could say something that could be probably perfectly correct today. But then in a, a day, a week, a month, I, I could be wrong because we've evolved past it, you know, with all the technology stuff we have going today. Mm -hmm it far surpasses. We have a conversation today and it could be totally wrong tomorrow thanks to AI or something. And once you, I, I feel once, uh, what one of the things that helped me is once I realized like all the information I have in my experience, I'm giving you the best information possible. It's coming from the heart. It's authentic. It's genuine. It's backed. And then as long as I'm giving you the best that I have to offer in that moment, I'm okay with that. And if I get proven wrong down the road, then I'm, I'm willing and accepting of those. Now, like, show me where I'm wrong because I'm one of those, I'm a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. If I got to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate, then I go back and reevaluate, right? That's the thing where so many other people out there are pushing certain things and they're telling you, you need to believe this and do this and do that. And any one of us could go on any one of these things with them if they ever would take one of us on and show where, well, that's wrong. This isn't correct. You're setting people up to fail. Your interest isn't in educating people. It's the, the, the fame and the influence, you know, and it should never be about that. Um, and they won't take those conversations, you know, on, and then what happens is some of these people, cause they're into those quick fixes and band-aids and maybe that one thing worked, you know, 1% of the time, but it's ingrained in their head that it works. So then you're going to have that defiant type person that you have to rewire and show you know look this is this is why this is better i, I get that this, that's not a fix all let's show you how the human works <laughs> and i can then you get a whole better context and that's i think what drives us together here today is uh, ben and i are fortunate we've had the opportunity to, to work with you 
And, and I love how you can take these complex things because you fall into, again, to, to my world of, I tell people, I use dollar store words. I got to train cops. I got to train military guys. I can't be using these big, long college, you know, Webster dictionary type terms. I got to keep it simple and fast for, for them to be able to comprehend and apply. <laughs> and the way that you take the brain and the communication and that science and you take something that could be very, could be very, very difficult, you know, and very, very demanding down there that you just break it down into these simple I mean, I, I like to get into that too, the thin slicing and things of those natures, I think are just brilliant that people can take away from this and start applying uh, to their everyday life. You know, there's just so many things there that you don't got to know what's firing in the brain at what time, but you give the overview of this is what the brain is. This is what it does and why. And then this is how your biology affects why you do what you do. And I, I think that's just phenomenal. Well, um, I don't know what to say to that. Thanks very much. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll send you a check in the post. <laughs> but the, the thing, what it is, is that um, where I where I think that um, the, um, how would we say, more cookie cutter approach to this, what they failed to mention is, is that um, People are all different, you know. Mm. Um, we all behave differently. We've all got our own personal behavioural repertoire of mm. things that, can, that you so, you know, that you can so easily misread. Um, mm. In the course that we do, we use the stun gun thing, where people have been stunned with a stun gun, and some people enjoy it, some people don't enjoy it, and so they're all feeling anxiety because they and anticipation because they know they're going to be stunned. Uh, but people are showing different expressions on their face. So to me, that sort of does away with this university, universality of uh, facial expressions uh, to a certain extent. There are certain ones like fear that you can't hide. Um, but, you know, are there seven? I think there's probably a lot more than that. And they're very personal to individuals. But what you can't get away from, no matter whether you're autistic, whether you are a, a fully functioning human being, um, the systems that drive it are all the same. So rather than look at what's going on on the outside, understand what's going on in the inside and how that comes for, and then you've got a better chance of seeing what's on the outside. Mm -hmm. yes. um, because it's then more personal to that individual and understand that everyone is different. And the, the, the big um, buzzword that you get everyone say now, oh, it's all about baselines. Yeah, it is about baselines, but baselines aren't static. You know, um, something happens when you're speaking to someone, something happens, their baseline changes. They won't go back to where they were before. So you've now got to recalibrate. Mm -hmm. And it's about thinking, thinking on your feet and looking and seeing, but understanding. And if you can do all of that, eventually you'll get to the stage with the person you're talking to where you can feel them. And once you can feel them, then that's empathy. Yep. Well, 100%. It's... Uh, I think we have had several conversations on that. The, the baseline is the, it's like a trigger word for me. I understand it's a term people are trying to understand, but it's the, it's, it's all contextual, situational, the environment, what's the moment. And I think I always give the, the, the same example, you know, someone getting called to the boss's office, typically here in the U S it's usually never anything good. It's usually you've done something wrong or told. So first thing people have going in their head when they get in that call to the boss's office is they start processing their brain. Oh crap. What did I do? And they're going through their day, their week, their month, trying to find 
what it's possible the boss is going to talk to them about. So when they get to the boss's door, they already have this anticipation that you hit on. And I like that, you know, because anxiety, anticipation kind of go hand in hand, but that's what it is. You're anticipating some bad news. Hmm. So when that person comes in and presents themselves, you're not getting a, a true baseline. You're getting that baseline for that moment. Hmm. And there's tons of moments in conversation. And we need to understand when those moments change, right? They, they change when we start communicating and we're able to acknowledge that they're not in trouble. Well, then they'll, mm-hmm. they'll have a sigh of relief, right? The shoulders will they'll relax a little bit. Now we're getting somewhere. Now maybe we take them from, from that role. Maybe it's a role from the worker and we put them to the worker's mom or dad, you know, then and I get to like the roles are very specific. The role that you're, you're in at that time is also going to interact on how you are. So where are we at? You know, conversations ebb and flow. And so do your baseline. It's a constant adjustment, as Bob said, until you get that feel, you know, we're going to ride this wave and we're going up and down and then all of a sudden, okay, now we have this connection and you'll feel that connection when it's there. Now we can really start to go things, you know, because you can't baseline someone when they're emotional either, you know, because they're, they're in an irrational state. Nothing happens with an irrational state. Absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) You know, sorry. My hands, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm no, no. I mean, that, that, that you, you would be trying to baseline that. that. That's what you'd be trying to baseline that as an emotion. Like it, it can't be done. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And and uh, and I think Bob is on a key thing, and it's something I've been touching on. And I don't have the the academical background, Bob, and and you guys have, right? I just go off of my feeling and how I feel and things that make sense. And something that's always made sense to me was the internal aspects. If you're not looking inside internally and understanding how you're working. Because once we can figure out how we work and know what our triggers are, what are our mm-hmm. emotional triggers, right? And that should be something you're aware of if you go into an interview room and you're talking to somebody. Because what if they come back and say something? Are you going to be offended by it? Does it trigger you emotionally because of the words they chose, especially in law enforcement? I, as many things I've been called that are absolutely terrible that you can't repeat in a podcast. you know. But if you respond emotionally every time to those and trigger to that, well, we're just escalating. We're no better than, than, than those people on that end. So we have to find a way. I tell people, don't respond emotional, respond professional, mm-hmm. right? As long as you're responding professionally, you'll, you'll be okay. But if the minute you start responding to anything emotional, nothing ever good that comes out of it. You never make a good, dismi- a good decision out of an emotional mindset. Mm-hmm. So the internal stuff is so important to knowing how that works because you should sit there and be able to figure out what are your biases? You know, what are these different things? And we can start working on them. And the minute we can recognize those and we can then consciously process and shove them, right? And put them to the side so we can fully deal with the person or persons that we're dealing with in that moment to give them the best of us in that conversation because it, it is all about them, right, Bob? Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Um, when we're talking to people, it's not about you um, and you have to accept that. And um, it's about the person you're speaking to in, in any context um, in business, because that's the most of the work that you know that I do now. It's understanding that um, the other person has something valuable that you want from them, and uh, you've got to give them the time and space and the understanding to allow them to feel comfortable to share that with you. Um, and that is the um, whole premise of it, you know, it, it's about neuroception is, you know, the term that's used for it. And that's, you know, goes from anything from 
uh, feeling safe to feeling, feeling that your life's under threat and everything in between. And there's systems in your body that cope with that. And it's understanding um, the processes that your body goes through and more particularly your brain goes through when you get into new, um, uh, new environments or new situations. So, you know, when we talk about behavior, we have to consider the equation, uh, Carl Lewin's uh, equation, um, that behavior equals how a person functions in an environment. So if you've got a certain environment, a person will behave in a certain way because they've got a, a playbook in their brain that tells them this is how you behave in this environment. This is how you don't. And so when you see people becoming defensive mm. or resistant, it's usually a combination of you and the environment and maybe what you need to talk to them about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and that could be in the car showroom. It could be anywhere. It could be in a bar when you're trying to chat that attractive young lady. It could be anywhere. The people <laughs> are just naturally defensive, naturally yeah. defensive. And um, that comes above all else is our own yeah. personal safety. And in a lot of uh, um, ways now, we've gone past the primal days, although on a Saturday night, if you go out in the UK, you might think you're back in the primeval days. <laughs> but... Um, it's, it's, now more, <laughs> yeah, it's more now psychological uh, threats, and, and and that's usually to do with ego, ego defense. It's it's, it's a massive thing. Like it, it, I, when you, it just struck in my head when you mentioned neuroception. When you look at the neuroscience of what we are as human beings in terms of how we make decisions and formulate beliefs about certain things and environments, we are prediction correction algorithms. You know, we, we, we try and take in this information and make a prediction based on what's coming next. And if it doesn't happen, we try and reformulate. But very few of us try and take into account our biases that might confirm or deny our personal predictions of what it is that we're seeing. And the, the, the greatest analogy, it's a, it's a personal thing in terms of the greatest analogy, but it was uh, Neil, De, Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about um, uh, Google searches uh, uh, and the like. Uh, I've got this idea in my head that there are there are seven expressions that are universal throughout everything. So I look to try and see if anyone else has thought of this. I get thousands, thousands of oh my god, I must be onto something. Uh, and the, these are the things of um, if somebody presented a crystal in front of you and said this this gets rid of all disease and whatnot, it is in, it, it is intellectually lazy to go brilliant. I ex- that's great. That's that's great. I'll bring it in or to go. That's absolute nonsense. It's it's the crystal. Uh, it's a it's a crystal. We don't learn to ask questions of, in terms of, okay, what kind of illnesses does it cure, or, or, or does there need to be the right situation to be able to do that? And and it strikes me that there is a, a kind of uh, it's it's a personal term, but an intellectual sex appeal to some of the buzzwords that we hear, like baselines or, or micro expressions or I can decode body language or deception detection and all of this kind of thing that people glaze over the nuance as a result of that ego of that grandstanding of saying well I, I saw his eyebrow twitch so therefore I know he's hiding something from me and every part of me like socially wants to strangle them professionally I'm like 
biting my lips. So what do you think it is that's kind of led to that change of ego being more of a prominent figure that stops people being as curious, like with their conversations that stops them listening and keeps them just waiting for their turn to speak? Hmm. Well, as far as all the um, pseudoscience, if you want to call it that, I blame Tim Roth. It's all his fault. Um, and, or, or as he was on TV, Carl Leiterman, because he gave the impression that you can just walk into a room and do these things. And mm-hmm. and, and people believe that. And we all know that um, even now more so, people will believe anything they see online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there is a vast difference between sitting in a in a room when you're trying to negotiate a million dollar um, contract and sitting on a panel looking at a famous person and saying, oh, they mean this by this. I mean, that. there's no, there's no cost attached to that, no costs attached to it at all. And when you're the, the cop, as Jim and myself talked about, walking up to that car in the middle of the night and you want to, you know, you want to get a read on that person um, in the moment, um, sitting watching a video, there's no, there's no pause and rewind in real life. You have to get it right and you have to be very careful. Um, and so, I'm sorry, Ben, I've lost my train. What was you, what was the question again? <laughs> no, you're all good. I, it, it's in terms of what, what is it that's contributed to this kind of ego movement? I, I read a lot about it in, if, whether you've read the book or, whether, or anyone else has, Johan Hari's Stolen Focus. Uh, in, in terms of the society, it's a, it's a phenomenal book, and the man did some great work to try and uh, prove and disprove certain things, but, you know, that's, that's a separate thing. Uh, and the, the contribution of the change of personality that's led to people not being as curious and not being as focused or aware on the impacts of certain things in certain situations. Uh, like, he, he, he spoke about a situation in uh, Graceland's, uh, where people were were looking at their tour uh, of Gracelines through an iPad that's in front of them, and he's like, "Just look up. the The room is there. You are in Gracelands." And it's a similar situation. It's an it's analogous, I grant you, but like the way that people don't really look past the buzzword for whether it's in terms yeah. of the comfort or the ego uh, stroking that it provides. I'm just curious in terms of your experience. Have there been any kind of contributing factors that's led to this uh, misappropriation of, of technique? The world changes, and you know um, there are there are so many factors involved in that. And I think um, the the very recent past has exacerbated that the pandemic. Mm. Um, but then you've got the uh, alongside that you've got the fact that most people communicate now online. Uh, meetings are more online; uh, they're more efficient for businesses, and so the actual social connection um, is not there. And if you if you add into that the new the normal human um, instincts to want to know, because if we don't know, we don't feel comfortable, and if we don't feel comfortable, we're resistant, and things aren't mm-hmm. going to work. So we. We search for um, social connection, you know, in everything we do. It's much easier for people, even people like me, who by, you know, by admission, I'm a bit of an outsider. Uh, Online is great because I can say what I want to people. Um, You know, the connection between what happens online and what happens offline are being very blurred and people are being stabbed uh, because of um, uh, arguments that were started online. And when they meet in real life, 
that carries over. So yeah. is, is it affecting our perception of other people? Certainly the work that I'm getting now with companies, um, well, we've got a labor shortage as well in the UK, so it is a little bit different, but companies are now beginning to realize that um, with the way people are now, especially younger people who feel entitled and they feel right, they're right to feel entitled, they're right to feel that they can be who they want to be. Um, you know, uh, speaking uh, to a, a guy in retail um, hospitality not too long ago, um, was amazed that at the end of a job interview when he asked the person, have you got any questions for us? And the guy said, well, why should I work for you? And he was completely thrown by that because, <laughs> you know, people, and so a lot of these things are coming together. Um, and also I believe that we do like shortcuts. You know, our brains are quite a lazy thing and we're on autopilot most of the time, aren't we? You know, and, and that's why we like to be in situations that we know what's going on. We know we feel safe. Then we switch our brain off to a certain extent. And so we do like shortcuts and we like buzzwords and a lot of brands, if you talk about branding and things, you know, the buzzwords like, you know, Pepsi, the real thing and all this sort of thing. That's the things that stick in people's minds. So baseline stick in people's mind because they've seen Carl Eichmann do it. So it must be right. And so it sticks in their mind and it, then they can then they can be that person, can't they? Yeah. You know, and that's what a lot of this is about is the people on there, you know, saying, oh, I can read this, I can do this, I can do that. It's their wannabes. They're not, you know, they're not people operating in the real world. Um, and, you know, I would like to see that, you know, I, I don't go by experience of what people say they did in the past, etc. It's what you're doing there now. There are some great people out there. Um, and one of the hotbeds, uh, in my opinion, for um, real scientific look at um, human behavior is the Netherlands. There's uh, yeah. uh, some really good people there. Anne Geyser comes to mind, who, who is, yeah. is absolutely brilliant at what she does, comes from a similar background. I mean, completely different approach, but yeah. you know, she's brilliant. And there are others, uh, Alan Herm Crawley. Herman. Loads of people, yeah, but yeah. you never hear of them. You never hear of them because they're not out there in their in their suits, looking at videos and giving opinions of people they've never met and don't get any of you know. Um, don't take into account that fact. They're not them. They're the real people. Yeah, there was there was a there was a great photo that I saw of um, uh, I think it was Prince William, might have been Prince Harry, one of the two princes. I don't know which. But he was he was kind of stood like this this side on looking towards a crowd of people and you could I can kind of do it away but you can kind of see this so it looks like he's flipping the bird to people but the photo from the other side he's got three fingers up asking for three somethings and mm. that 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 kind of puts the whole thing uh, into into you know a shortcut analogy of why you need further context why you need mm. to keep exploring there was a great question that I saw. Um, it was it was quite recently uh, when I started studying. Uh, they're called super forecasters, which is a, a lofty title. But I, I bloody love the work. I think it's great for critical thinking and great for reasoning out these these problems and situations that involve human beings and human behaviour. These are the people that are tasked with questions like. In nine months' time, will Putin march on the rest of Europe and looking at qualifying their work? And it boils down to certain things like, well, I have this hypothesis. What if I'm wrong? Not I might, not I might be wrong, 
or I feel like I'm wrong. That's an emotional based question. It's what if I'm wrong? And it, that, that whole kind of continued curiosity about this, this yeah. observation that you've made will keep you questioning and, and, and keep you uh, engaged in the details. And that seems to be where people stop that they've achieved at this, this one thing that, that could work, could be an option. If I cross my arms, it could be that I'm disconnected. It's very unlikely, but it could be. Uh, and this, this type of comfort that stops them moving forward, I think that's such a shame. I think that's such a shame because it leads to so much harm in, in, in so many other areas that are maybe aren't even considered uh, as much. You, might, you know, there's, there's somebody out there, I presume, that must think, I've spotted an arm cross. It has been confirmed that they were disconnected. Therefore, everything else this other researcher has said must be true because of this one thing. Uh, sorry, yeah. go on, Jim. No, no, I was going to say, Ben, um, it, it almost goes back to how Bob opened the, the podcast, right? Because the more I'm, I'm listening and listening to things, because this is a really great conversation. It, it, it goes back to, to yourself, right? And, and self-confidence. Because we're all built with this innate curiosity, right? And we're we're built in with this intuition. So there's certain things we see and feel, but then all the tech and things we have today, it's so much easier for me to look up a YouTube video and Google and go, well, look, these guys have thousands of views as an example, and they're saying this, and that contradicts what I have, so they must be right. And now I dismiss my intuition rather than, okay, I'm curious about this. This triggered my alarm bells, put on your sleuthing hat, right? That we're naturally wanting to do because we want to end and figure it out for yourself. And if you trip and fall and you're wrong, okay, well, we pick ourselves up and we do it again, right? Because that's what I think makes the good investigators, right? For, for us in law enforcement is Bob and I, I think would probably both agree. We, we probably failed a heck of a lot more than, than, than you succeed. But once you start learning from those failures and you start can creating your your catalog of things like okay well when i was working with this type of person this was an approach and we start sampling and taking things we start finding will there be some similarities that work on these particular type of people sure but not all 10 of them are going to work because people are different so there are be some things and it's it's like an equalizer on a radio right we're going to be sliding one knob up one down there until we get that perfect sound right mm -hmm. that perfect pitch that we're looking for it's not just going in and we have our settings preset and pre-adjusted and we we go into it and it goes back on, a, on another part of point you made i love that neil degrasse with the crystal because we are psychologically lazy right mm -hmm. because why do i got to think anymore if i can do a google search or look at a youtube or go there who's going to a library anymore pulling out a book you know, mm -hmm. I know here for the States, when I mentioned the Dewey Decimal System, kids these days don't know what I'm even talking about. They don't even know that that's the cataloging system, you know, or if I mentioned the term microfiche, you know, go to a library and, and look that up to find old, you know, articles and periodicals. Like you're allowing other people to do research for you and you're then giving all that credit to that research. Now, I'm not saying everyone is 100% wrong. But you need to be vetted and doing your due diligence. If you go and you see something that's great, and I even use us as an example, Ben, because you and I are first ones that we're, we're not the, you know, end all be all. We're not the, we're I'll just telling it. you, look, we've, we've done so much work and, and Bob has put so much work in this. Like we, we're giving you information. What we're saying is, look, listen to it. Go check it out. Mm -hmm. Run it through your filters mm -hmm. 
And if it's working, you can apply it by all means, use it, but at the same time, but use the same perspective. I told you, it's like uh, being a, uh, you know, taking pictures, you're a professional photographer. We don't use the same lens for every shot, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I use that analogy when I'm teaching crime scene people and things like that when you take this because most people get so narrow focus and focus on this one thing, you know, say for a homicide case, we have this deceased person and we're so focused on that, that they never widen the lens. And you should always start with the widest lens possible to take in the whole picture, the whole environment. And then once we start taking that in and after we start validating and dismissing and clarifying things, we start changing the lens and it starts mm-hmm. becoming narrower and more focused. So now we're that one thing we have is really envisioned, really focused. And then now we can really now work on that and work on getting the, the answers that we're looking for. So many people don't even take, you know, the camera out of the bag. They mm-hmm. just take Ben's photo you know, and go, man, that was a great picture. And like you said, how many people do you see today uh, with, with the cell phones in your hands, right? You're, you're in this beautiful place, Ben, you were just saying, you're in this beautiful place and you're looking at it on your phone rather than look up and experiencing it, you know, where yeah. it is for where you're at. And that's falls into situational awareness, right? Lack of self-awareness, not that you're so in tune with all these things that you forget to be present. And I think that's the other key thing that we get into is you have to be present in the moment. You can't be distracted. You really truly have to make it about the other person. You really truly want to understand. You can formulate the right statements, the right questions from from there. And I'm actually surprised Bob hasn't said it yet because the last time you gave the Neil deGrasse analogy, it brought me to to Bob's ABCs. And I actually love that, you know, because I like to validate, dismiss, clarify. And, and Bob, since I have you here, in case I butcher it, because um, I brought it up on our last podcast episode, <laughs> Ben, if Bob hears it and I messed it up, um, <laughs> I, I, I expect a latching. Um, but it was, you know, Bob has used the ABCs, assume nothing, believe nothing, and challenge every doubt, all right? And, and that's the main thing that I, I feel that you should be using when it comes to all these things, too. That is a great simplistic. It's not simple overall, but it's something very simple to remember. When you see something on YouTube, assume nothing, believe nothing, challenge it. If you see something and they're telling you it's this, challenge that. You know, you're curious. Do the research. Go go out in town and and try it. Observe it. Ask people. You know, you know. It seems like you're a little closed off today. Oh no, man. This is just waiting for my wife. She's shoe shopping. I'm perfectly good, and this is just comfortable. Keeps my back from locking up. Oh, interesting. Well, I can put that into my catalog now that, okay, A, B does not equal C. However, it can equal this. And then that's where it comes from, right? Is we start building these experiences that our brain processes through that we will validate, dismiss, or clarify depending on the environment and situation. And then the last thing I'll jump on is um, the the environment stuff. At at law enforcement, it was always the uh, old school approach that you never interviewed somebody in their home because you didn't want them to be comfortable. So you would take them and transfer them to a police station and put them in this room with, you know, these terrible colors and just a desk and a chair. And you would listen to the concepts and theories and go, okay. But then me as a young guy, starts shouting, why? Where am I more likely to get them to build rapport with me? and be comfortable with me and perhaps give me the information. Is it going to be that musty old interrogation room with one door that's a little, you know, four by four little square? 
Or would it be okay for me to sit at the dining room table with them in their house where they're mm -hmm. comfortable, where they may perhaps work from the role that I need them to that's going to maybe make them get more relaxed and calm to give me the information that they have, you know? But when you say things like that, you blow people's mind, oh, you can't do that. That's not the way we do it. This is the way we do it, you know? And it's you're constantly battling that, that old, mm -hmm. those old mindsets where it, it doesn't particularly matter. What What's going to set you up for the best success is interviewing someone in the backseat of a police car with their hand, their hands handcuffed behind your back on the side of a road. Is that going to give you a better interview than if I would have just had them inside sitting in the house for a minute? You know, what what is going to set us up for the best success for us to get our outcome as a law enforcement example to, you know, solve our case, get the information we need to figure out a crime or maybe uh, someone's been kidnapped. They got all the cards and the tools. So why do we set ourselves up to to fail in those? Because no one is teaching, as Bob said, sadly, even in those realms, the the whys, you know, why are they, why this, why are they behaving? Why? Because the minute you start getting the why, the who, what, when, where, it just becomes Connected. easier. <laughs> it just, just becomes easier, you know, and, and who doesn't want to work in this day and age, right? Who wants to work? a little less harder, right? It's like, if I can understand this, and then this connects to this, 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 and this, wow, I didn't have to sit here for six hours with a chisel and a hammer trying to, you know, get in get into their brain to get them to, to talk to me, where I could have just been like understanding the why, meet them where they're at, what needs are they presenting to me, and then utilize that there to get the information, understanding the role they're occupying. You, you know, it's just, there's so many nuances there um, which is another, I'm excited that we get to work with Bob because it, a lot of this stuff will, will come out. And although I haven't had a chance to meet, um, the people Bob has mentioned and them, but I see them on LinkedIn. I see their information or stuff all the time. And Bob's hundred percent correct. It's similar backgrounds, different approaches, different countries from different cultures, but their, their works are phenomenal. There's tons of fantastic people out there, but they're just like, they're just like us. Right. Hmm. We're passionate. We're, we're, we're not here, although trust me, your, your subscribes, likes and clicks would be great and beneficial for us. But that's not what we're, we're here for. We're, we're, we're here for people that are listening and there and generally want to have a better understanding yeah. of, of humans and the why and give that to you. And it's like we don't need this grand stage to do it. Um, it's just one of those if we can help one person at a time and turn those add up, you know, and the fact that there's more than the three of us out there that are doing things positively mm. for the right people in the right way, you know, in turn, that'll make the bigger splash, but that's just it. We're passionate about what we do and we're more focused on them and the people that we're not, you know, we're not in tune to, we need to create a, some type of, of, of panel for people to come vote on us and watch videos. I, I'd much rather take you into it and show you how I do it and then observe you doing it and help you build those skills then just pull up a, a video that I can rewind a thousand times and make myself look like a genius because I'm far from that. <laughs> I'd rather have you see me make a mistake and go and then let you know, hey, it happens because we are dealing with people with that are going to have that lack of confidence and things and understand because we've all been there and there as a, as a rookie cop. We're going to make a lot of mistakes. The key is you learn from them. You get the lessons. We don't make the same mistake twice. Right. And we just keep building our foundational skills and get brilliant at the basics. Everything else will come. And there's so much here that we can unpack to where micro expressions is just an irrelevant thing. That's been a huge pet peeve 
And I agree with Bob with this stun gun video. You've got so many people's responses. Some are smiling. You, people would think that they're happy in there. And it's like, no, that's people's natural responses to anxiety, anticipation, which is why you have people sometimes to smile when they're depressed, right? Because it's impression management. Things are you're not getting to the root of people. People are going to give you what they feel they want you to see, you know, and until you get comfortable, people will they then be vulnerable and open with you. But we need to understand these things. Not everything is as it appears and seems on the outside. A lot of those are just presentations, you know, of someone until we start figuring the other pieces out. Yeah, that's 100%, Jim. Um, the, 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 the downside of the approach that I have, I suppose, and the way I approach what I do is it, you, you get up against companies and I've, I'm working with a company at the moment and the guy openly said that no one wanted to come on the two hour session that I did, but afterwards everyone signed up for more. Um, uh, because when you sit people in a room and you say, we're going to be for, here for two hours and the first hour I'm going to talk about biology then they sort of, you can have natural resistance because people want to know there and then. Um, uh, the really pleasing thing about it was after the one of the sessions, I went back and saw them and two people said to me, I went straight out after the session and bought that Desmond Morris book that you mentioned. Um, Desmond Morris, uh, People Watching, which is probably the best book. Now, on that subject as well, is this is a sort of, of you know, brings into focus what we're talking about. If you read the reviews on um, people watching his book on uh, Amazon, I read a review on it, and he said, it's really great, but he doesn't mention micro expressions at all. And you just think, yeah, no, he doesn't, because one, he's a zoologist, and it's, he's talking about, you know, it's, it's not a book that most people would read. Just like Robert Sapolsky, Behave isn't a book yeah, that most people would read. And also Dexter Diaz, 10 Types of Humans. People won't read these books. Hey, book. Real people talking about, I mean, Dexter Diaz, a, a, a barrister, defended and prosecuted some really awful people. And he talks about them. And if you want to know what behavior is like, then read these books because they're mm. the ones that I use. Because, um, you know, Robert Sapolsky, we talk about him and... Um, what I'm really keen on is I'm just a collector because what he talks about, he talks about the buckets and, you know, if you talk to, and having worked at university, if you talk to someone from uh, psychology and then someone from the social sciences, they'd all have different views about how they see things. So I say I do a bio evolutionary approach. There are other approaches that people take and what they do is they stay within their boundaries and their views are right because it fits within their boundaries. Whereas what Sapolsky says is that you only get the full picture if you pour all that into one bucket. And that's, I suppose, what I try to do in a very low-level way. I'm not putting myself anywhere near people like that. I wouldn't dare do that. But um, that's what I try to do. And I try to educate people, not train them, um, educate. And it all starts with the coffee shop. And you've both heard it, where you go into a coffee shop and you show the person that you see and hear them. And you notice the difference in that person. And once you can get people to do that, then you can get people to do all the other stuff. You can get up to the sort of things that I used to do, like, you know, see if I could talk my way into buildings and things like that. Once you can do these little things and you see it work, then you can work up from it. Yeah. And 
the thing about it is, is there are no superpowers. You know, I might wear my pants on top of my trousers. That doesn't make me Superman because there is no superpowers. But what we have got is we've got a mass of untapped potential within us that we don't even realize we've got. And that's what I try to get the people, you know, wake your brain up. Don't let your brain switch off when you're talking. Let the other person do the talking and listen. Because if you can get that, that person will let you know when they feel comfortable. And guess what? When they get comfortable, they'll share with you what they care about. And once you get that, then you can use that as access points and you can talk to people and without even asking them questions. I hate asking questions because you're not, if we're not very good at it, then we only get the answer that they want to give us. Whereas if you get them to talk to you, the barriers come down and they will tell you in a roundabout way and it maybe take a bit longer, but they'll tell you what you need to know. Awesome. Oh, awesome. Awesome. It, I mean, like, it, it reminds me, and, and I'm going to muck up the exact wording, um, but it was when I was reading uh, Brene Brown's uh, Atlas of the Mind. Um, she spoke about uh, uh, an, an analogy of the way science behaves in, in that it is supposed to and allowed to change its mind because it's continually it's continually learning more so if you if you're staying within your separate lanes there's going to be things that you that you can't learn by default because you are essentially put, putting your fingers in your ears i can't put my fingers right in my ears i put my headphones in there but you're putting your fingers right in your ears and saying i'm not listening to that because it's not part of what it is that i do if you look at any other uh, any other person that's achieved any kind of uh, complete understanding of their respective field it's because they've gone here's a bit of information from over here here's a bit of information from over here i mean it's a trite and cliched person to reference but look at what bruce lee did for the art of combat he took a bit from over here and he took a bit from over here and he took a bit from over here and it, it contributes to that comfort zones that most people like to live in when you're challenging your beliefs, you need to learn more and accept that there might be something from zoology, there might be something from this psychology, there might be something from the social sciences. When I, when I took my forensic psych degree, it was like month two or three, I forget which one, but the, uh, the lecturer was advising us to read uh, uh, books about mold formation. And I was like, what What in God's name has that got to do with forensic psych? I read the book anyway, and it turned out that a few months later, it, it helped. I, I and then like I uh, it was it was a good number of years ago. I, I I was reading about the different types of tears that we can produce as human beings, uh, and then a remote assessment case comes through, and that's what it's broken upon: the different types of tears that are produ produced and the way that the body reacts from the inside out. It is on the surface easier to start from the outside and try and work in, but you get a clearer sense of the motivation when you go from from outside. Uh, sorry, from inside to the outside, which is what I love about your approach. So I'm going to ask you what is potentially, um, if you'll forgive me for saying, if there are any younger ones listening, it's a potentially dick move of a question. Um, if, 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 if there is any kind of single piece of advice or two pieces of advice that you would give to anyone to aid them in their journey of discovering more, uh, you know, if you were to, to say, here, do this, and it will help you be more inquisitive. It will help you with your understanding of human beings. It will help you shut off your little ego voice that lives inside of your head 
that can help you get out of your own way at times. If there was any, 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 uh, anything that you could share along that area, so someone could have a takeaway for someone who is potentially struggling and say, "All right, I'm going to try this," and we can see how it goes in the rest of uh, in the rest of their days. I think the the first one, uh, which is very personal to me, because it took me a long while to actually get to the place where I could do it, is to be yourself. Uh, because people like people like them. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to be wrong because it makes you like the person you're speaking to. Mm. So that works really well. And the other thing is, is um, there's a TV program that really um, brought this home. It was used perfectly in it, a program in the UK called Blue Lights about the police in Northern Ireland. Yeah. And there's a young copper uh, a policeman, if you're from overseas, copper we call, going up to a door um, and he's about to bash the door in. They've had a, a call to go to this house and he goes up the door and he's got the, uh, we used to call it the big key. He's got the big key with him that he's going to open the door with. And um, he's standing there and he's, he's thrown it back and the guy next to him says, take a beat, wait. And that is the most perfect, I'm going to try and get this. It's a BBC show, so I'm probably going to get this little clip. It's a perfect way to illustrate probably one of the most fundamental things that I share with other people is the OODA loop, where too often we, we observe something, we decide and we act, and that is emotional decisions. So when I sit and watch these videos of people saying, oh, that's Prince Charles and he's doing this, or King Charles now, he's doing this, so this means this, that's an emotional decision. They're not, they're not quantifying it. They're not looking at it. The real proper people, I think, and the thing that I take away, I'd say, is always follow, observe, with orientate. What is, you know, what are the factors around here? Because what you're doing is you're engaging all of your um, toolkit of um, inbuilt skills that you've got of intuition, instinct, logic, and reasoning inductive what is going on what is going on in the environment you know where are we what's the situation what's the context pull all those together and then deductive well it could mean this it could mean this or it could mean this and then just see where it goes from there and can you do that quickly yes you can because the world doesn't have to be as fast as it is and going back to the analogy that we talked about, you're approaching that car the dead of night. Look, you see something, take a beat. Take in all the situation. That person stopped late at night. They're on their own. I'm here. I'm looking at them. You know, uh, they may have in their brain that negative picture of a police officer that they've had before. And so they're, they're looking at me as that person. So, yeah, they're going to be defensive. And that's the difference between making an emotional decision to escalate that and take that beat, take all those into consideration and then try these hypotheses, you know, you know, speak to the guy. If he responds badly to you, then that's that one. You know, it could be that now, it could be that. Yeah. Rather than just being binary and going straight in with that. And the very final thing I'd like to say is what I say at the end of all the sessions I do, that just remember that hostility will always breed hostility but there is no defense to kindness. So every day we have choices, choose to be kind. 
that's that's a glorious sentiment a glorious sentiment to, to close out the episode uh so uh, it might sound a bit kind of um silly to say but a genuine thank you uh, a, a genuine thank you to 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 for, for sharing that because the, the, there may have been a, a few people expecting you know this kind of science book or this kind of paper or this <laughs> you know whatever it is and and that that should you know kind of go along with most of what we've been saying uh, in that you had this expectation and something else has come along that you can do right now and it's maybe challenged your preconceptions of how a podcast interview is supposed to go or challenged your pre whatever it is right and i i think that's i think that's glorious so uh, yeah thank thank you very much bob thank you very much for sharing that um just for the the, the listeners in terms of the usual closeout speech if they have enjoyed as they no doubt will have um uh, everything that you've been able to share with us today um how is it that they are best to uh, to to get in touch with more of your work where can they find you where can they stay in the loop i mentioned the facebook group earlier but there's your website and everything else you're working on so if you could just give us uh, a bit of a, uh, a a bit of a cv of contact details <laughs> yeah, sure. the, the best way the best way to get me probably is on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, Bob Pointer, and the company is the Behavioural Intelligence Academy. Um, it'd be great if you followed us on LinkedIn. We've got our own page. I post at least twice a week uh, things that I think might be of interest to other people, and it seems to get a response, so obviously they are. Uh, I have a closed Facebook group um, called the Behavioural Intelligence Forum, uh, where we, again, post stuff. It's usually different to on uh, uh, LinkedIn because on Facebook there's a different audience and we still get the odd question about how can I attract girls and things but mostly it's people who are a little bit more serious about it uh, you do have to go through um, answering some questions and have to get on there because it's it's you know it, it's a group and it's quite a large group as you said um, the website is uh, www.bi and then it's the minus sign ac.com and um yeah reach out it'd be nice to speak if there's one thing that uh well i'm in communication so i like to talk to people i, I find difficulty I, I find difficulty stopping but talking's not a problem for me. <laughs> we, we we have the same problem <laughs> we, we we have the same problem so yeah with with that in mind guys thank you for thank you for your time thank you for your interest whether you're listening watching along or both we're very we're very grateful to have you with us and uh it, it may seem like the usual run of the mill thing but if you really want to support burgeoning podcasts or burgeoning channels of any kind it is the easiest thing in the world to click on the like button and click on the subscription button as well it's absolutely free doesn't cost you a thing but it really helps us out so that we can bring you more uh, more speakers like bob and all of the gold that he's had to share with us today your support allows us to be able to do that uh, so thank you in advance um for the buttons that you're about to click that's that's rather a direct attempt at influence right there uh, but i'm basically just asking so there we go and uh, uh so we will we will see you next friday for another episode be sure to stay tuned to the youtube channel as well as we have more coming in our professional skill set series and book reviews and all manner of information that we we think you should uh, no we think you would benefit from not that you should it's entirely up to you 
Um, but with that in mind, guys, we're going to love you and leave you, and we will talk to you all soon. Take care. Thanks again, Bob.